Hello and welcome to another episode of Church of the Geek, the podcast where we examine the intersection of the comic and the divine, where the monthly council meetings always need the Unimind, and Gilgamesh's saliva beer is always on tap. I am Brian Bennett, Lutheran Campus Pastor of Psalm at Pitt, Carnegie Mellon, Chatham, and Carlo Universities, and with me is our regular co-host, everyone's favorite deviant hospice chaplain, Sam Blair. Sam, how are you doing tonight? It's deviant with a capital D, I'm hope. Hope it, absolutely <laughs> but uh yeah doing well yourself doing okay doing okay we uh i've had some beautiful weather yeah definitely and uh so beautiful in fact that i was able to have my entire roof replaced on saturday Ooh, fun times so fun i remember those days you were a roofer no that putting paying lots of money to put roof on yeah yeah it was so much fun i just loved watching them up there hammering away all day going yes no (laughs) we bought we bought our house and we expected never have to put another roof on uh because we didn't figure we'd be here that long and well the people who did because they had just put a new roof on like a year or so before we moved in and the uh Well, the uh, the folks who did it did not really do a good job. They probably like just like a regular cheap old fifteen year shingle or something like that. I, I doubt it. I don't know. I can yeah. just say that this roof was not eternal. Ooh. You see, see what I did there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. It was finite. It was a finite roof. Yeah, that's right. Maybe the deviants put the first that last roof on, and now I have eternal roof. I I don't know, probably not. That would be nice if you had an eternal roof. Well, we did. We did. Uh, I don't know if your uh, social media feed has been completely consumed by a particular metal roof company uh, and their <laughs> ads. We did talk with them. Uh huh. Um. And their their regular uh, asphalt shingle was crazy expensive. Oh, really? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, it was terrible. Mm-mm. I got into I, a ma- major fight with our roofer when um, when we got up when we got it done. It was we had because we had two we have two skylights on our roof. Mm. And the roofer, when he went and did the estimate for the roof, forgot to put in the skylights. So when they did the roof, he was like, oh, you have skylights. I'm like, yeah, I have skylights. It's like, well, you didn't tell us. I'm like, you're the roofer guy. You're supposed to go up on the roof and take a look. And I told you we have skylights. You needed to go take a look. And so he threw two skylights in and they, uh, the seals broke and they leaked and he would not come. Well, they didn't leak, but they were going to, it took me two years to get those replaced of me fighting with him. The pastor and the unjust roofer. That's Uh, a parable for modern day. Uh, yeah, Uh, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. We didn't even know who did our, who did that roof before so that we couldn't even go to anybody about any sort of warranty. Yeah, exactly. It it just it it was what it was, so be it. But well, this isn't roofing talk. Oh, oh, oh that oh, you know what? That's my other podcast. That's the other podcast. Right? Yeah. Welcome to Brian's Roofing Talk. We're talking roofs. 
Yeah, it's actually I, I like to I like to call it uh, shingle jingle. And <laughs> if you can ch- check oh, that out on Apple nerd. Apple Podcast, what I shingle all the way. Yeah, so yeah, it, it it's about roofs, all things roofs, which does mean that we're coming into the Christmas light season, and so shingle jingle. Um, that's heightened. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Oh, uh, well, and daylight savings time is totally messed. Last right. night was the first night I got close to a decent night's sleep. This is my body's you know, like, oh, sleep in because what well, you know, people are always like, oh, daylight savings time ends. Oh, you get to sleep in an hour, extra hour. Nope. I just get to wake up an hour earlier. Yeah, that's right. That's how it works. That's my body's like, hey, time to go. Yep. Nope. Mm-mm. Anyway, this isn't shingle jingle. So we are, uh, this is Church of the Geek. We are going to talk about a movie for, with comic book source material. Yes. Which did is- we pick which one we were going to do? Yes, we did. Oh, did we? Yes, we did. And we both saw it. It was Marvel's Eternals. And I kept on calling it The Eternals, but it's Eternals not the is Eternals. the proper name. Yeah. Eternals. Yes, that's the right. Eternals. But anyhow. And even prior to this, that there's you and I did not agree on this movie. I don't think so. I don't we we did not. And I think like the, our our uh, our show notes uh, back and forth are the most contentious I think they've ever been. Which is it's not that's it's not like <laughs> but no. yeah. But uh yeah, it's we we definitely did, did not agree. You definitely liked it better than I did. I did not think it was bad. I just did not think it was great. Um, I, I still kind of think that kind of my, my least favorite Marvel movie is still Thor, the dark world. There we agree. Yes. But yeah, I, I did not like this one. Uh, I think, well, for, 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 for multiple reasons, but, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of themes in there and some of the things you brought out, I thought were, I thought were helpful in terms of thinking about it, but I think just in terms of movie, I thought it was a bit too long and I thought that it really, well, I, I took Spencer to it and it's funny. Like I remember many, many, many years ago, kept going to go see Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet and thinking there will never, ever be a movie that was this long. And this one felt like it came close to it or went longer, <laughs> even though it probably didn't, but it's, it's, it's strange how movies are just getting longer and longer now. I will admit this probably would have worked better as a series. Yeah, they could have developed all of the characters in time and and all, but okay. Was, so hold on. First off, spoiler alert: we are going to talk about things. Uh, if you've not watched it, uh, pause us now. You can always come back to us. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way the podcast works. So anyway, we have, uh, yeah, this, okay. I, I will admit it could have been a series and I'll, I think a lot of this stuff would have worked out better. Mm-hmm. Right. That being said, it wasn't. Yeah. So they had to, I mean, 10 characters, 10 characters exactly. that, that are even lesser known than guardians of the galaxy were when guardians came out. Yeah. Like, Oh, Wow. All right. And not just are you introducing these 10 characters, but you're introducing the whole setting that they're falling into, which is a whole new cosmic, you know, spectrum that they're, that they're falling into. Yeah, exactly. So even, you know, they, they had to have like a little crawl at the beginning to kind of set things up because. Oh, a wall of text. Yeah. Let's be clear. It was a wall of text. Mm Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if you caught this, did you see how it began? In the in the beginning. In the beginning. Uh huh. It was a uh, homage, maybe, or uh, it was either an homage to Genesis one, or it was sort of no, no, no. Let me tell you how it really happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a yeah, it was a big wall of text. And there was a lot of exposition. There was a lot of exposition. There was there was more exposition in Eternals than there was in Dune. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, okay. But I, I th- here's look. It was ambitious. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely ambitious. Ambitious in scope and scale. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a thousands year, seven thousand year at long epic, right? That they are trying to to and bring into the MCU, right? It was far more um, philosophical, yes, right. So this, I, I want, I just, I feel like I want to give them some props for the for the the work that they did here. This was, this was, they threw in action. There's no doubt about it, but they didn't, um, they didn't skimp on the wrestling with big questions, mm-hmm. which I think in uh, MCU phase four, we have seen a lot of different and creative tacks that have been taken, right? WandaVision, right. totally out of the, you know, the out of the formula. And so um, we're, we're seeing them try different things like, okay, we have done the superhero thing. Let's see how creative we can get. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was, uh, was it, it's not my favorite, not my favorite movie, uh, Marvel movie, but I put it pretty solidly in the center um, of the movies. I think I liked it more than Black Widow. Yeah, okay. So, um, and I felt Black Widow was really sort of middle of the pack. Um, had issues, liked some things about it. I liked I liked a good bit in this one. It's not my top, mm-hmm. it's not even in my top 10. But um, I'm a sucker for big epics though. So mm-hmm. maybe just I got to know that about me. I, 
One thing that that kind of bothered me, and I think it was was hard, was some of the acting. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it I thought was great. Um, uh, Brian Henry, who play who played uh, Fastos, Fastos mm-hmm. was was great. He was one of my favorite characters. He's very good, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I think. You know, well, and, and and Gemma Chan and I love Gemma Chan. I have and, loved Gemma Chan since uh, yeah. Humans. I yeah. don't know if you ever watched that series. I watched it here and there. Yeah, God, uh, just I, I think she's great. It, but the one thing, some of the characters like like Richard Madden to me, even though he was in this really strong relationship with with uh, Cersei, kind of came off a bit stiff. I agree, and, and I, I agree. think. I think Liam McHugh had the hardest row to hoe as Sprite because she's a young trying she's a young person trying to play an extremely old person, you know, a five thousand year old, seven thousand year old person. Yeah. Yet who was still a child. Right. <laughs> it's it was just I I you know, I that was the character that I think most that kind of took me out of the film, but then when I sort of realized kind of what she was trying to have to wrap her head around as an actor, I'm like, yeah, that'd be hard to do. Cause yeah. do you play it like you're a kid or do you play it like you're an adult? And anyway, she's in a rough spot. Yeah. It's a rough spot. But I, I was, I was fine for the most part with her, um, with her work. That was fine. I, it was Rich, Richard Madden that I thought just, Okay, that's it's a little it's a little stiff. Yeah, and it's hard uh, because he's he has so much screen time. He's one of the main mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. main characters, but but anyway, like kind of kind of going back to what you were talking about this being a very philosophical movie. It's also a very relational focused movie. It's all about the relationships yeah. between the characters and past relationships and their coming back together. Uh, they're renewing past relationships, their former loves, current loves, uh, all these certain things. So it, it really kind of felt in, you know, in many ways, like it was more of a drama. Well, and I feel like that, that is what we should have expected from Clojo. Yeah. That's, that's her thing. Yeah. Interiority. And I think what, disappointed folks and probably myself included was that it's, it's so pushed. This is a, this is a, a Marvel movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that Chloe Zhao is, 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 is directing and without necessarily, and I wasn't familiar with any of her work before. I mean, this is the first I've, I know what she's done, but right. you know, not having seen it. I, so it's, she hard won to know. some little award last year. Yeah. Some little, you know, like mm. thing. Little thing, uh, little guy. Um, but again, I'm not sure how many people, you know, myself saw those films. So it's hard to know, right? You know, your average moviegoer, what to expect. And so when you go into this and are see, and are seeing, you know, a lot more relational relational development, a lot more character development, a lot more deep questions, a lot of. Uh, you know, people figuring out where they stand in the world and asking big questions. 
uh, as opposed to punching those big questions in the face, um, as is the usual mm-hmm. Marvel mm-hmm. movie. But all, all I'm going to say, uh, Sam, is that I'm on the side of Gail Simone because she loved it. Mm-hmm. So I figure I'm, that's that's pretty good. She loved it. I liked it. You're on the wrong side, man. Well, I'm on the wrong <laughs> side of a lot of things. And I'm and I'm I'm not like in the I'm not in the camp of how in the world did you like this movie? This is a movie with you know, as you're like yeah. eh, I could see some I could see how people liked it. I mean, and there there were people crying in the theater. I when you know, whenever I was was there you know, during Because it was the, so bad? No, because during no. the there was one of the scenes, one of the like the the closing scenes where uh Icarus and, and Cersei are kind of coming coming to terms with uh, his near near betrayal of the well his his betrayal of the whole team and uh, that he can't you know a what you know before he flies off into into the sun so uh, Icarus kind of, end of the yeah, sun yeah yeah which uh, you know you kind of have to sure did you. No, that's right. Yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, there were there were people I could tell that were very that were very touched by that. Um, so hats off to them. I won't. I'm not going to sp- kill your buzz. All right. I I will also say Kingo uh, Camille Nanjiani was so good. He was good. Very funny. So delightful. And totally ripped for a part that didn't need to be ripped for. But he he put some work in the gym. I'll tell yes, you that. Did. Yes, he did. It's pretty great. Did you so. did, did you watch the uh, pitch meeting on YouTube? I did just see that today. Yeah, <laughs> that's a totally. Good... Let's let's play a joke on this. Let's guy. let's break him. <laughs> we won't we won't make him take his shirt off. That'd be great. No, that was that was no. funny. But no, he, he, you could definitely tell he he yeah. he put the work in. Mm-hmm. So uh, Angelina Jolie was even with Athena's uh, character sort of being with the with the mad weary. Um, Angelina Jolie was Angelina Jolie. Yes, she was. Just that you could tell she could just strike the pose, and you're like, oh, that's Angelina. Mm-hmm. That's a movie star right there. So. so but uh yeah. Uh no, I really enjoy I mean, okay, let me okay, let me not like over go sort of shoot where I am because I, I enjoyed it. Um there was a lot there. I will say it took me a while when I was watching because I've been reading uh source material. Mm-hmm. Um and so when it starts and Ajak is dead, I'm like, well the machine will just resurrect her. Oh no, no, there's no machine. There's no mm-hmm. uh there's not a vat that's around. So I was like, okay, Brian, get it out of your head. That part they they made choices so that that's not gonna be the same thing. There's not sort of living in a sort of interior dimension, you know, between the you know, living in the city that that exists th- between three seconds ago and two seconds from now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so that's I had to get that out of my head. Like, oh, right, they made choices to adapt that stuff mm-hmm. um, and all. Um, 
But they did keep some things. Mm-hmm. Unimind. Um, terrible name. But okay. <laughs> That's not. It is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. So they had to adapt it. And they're not human. They're synthetic creatures that mm-hmm. can't evolve and go rogue like the deviants. Mm-hmm. So, and the deviants are more animalistic creatures rather than another race of beings. Right. Which is also another change from the source material. Right. Because, you know, the uh, deviants had purple skin, like another big baddie that, hmm, oh, had a deviant gene. So, mm-hmm. ta-da. But there was there was a great deal. Um, it was a challenge. I think it was a challenge to make this. It was, it's a little bit sometimes a little challenge to sit there for the two hours and 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, again, I thought it was good. They made a lot of, uh, they tried to do something really different. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see how this shapes the rest of the MCU so far. Um, you could tell they're definitely expanding the playing field much broader than just the earth and just Asgard, you know, they're out, you know, very much moving on a cosmic scale and getting into questions of how the, how the universe works for lack of a better word, you know, with right now with the, with the- one of the big questions I think that, that, they start as is humanity worth saving? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, what is it about humanity that makes it worth saving? Which we get at the very end, mm-hmm. right? Okay, the the celestial shows up when you know the the Eternals have succeeded in stopping the birth of the new celestial, and uh, Asherim takes what was it? It was uh, Cersei. King Fastest. Of... And Kingo? I think so. <laughs> there were th- there were three of them. I, re- I remember. So yeah. glad we did our homework. Yeah, how about um, that. Um, but yeah, you know, it was definitely Fastos and Cersei, and uh, yeah, probably Kingo because they were all together. Yeah. Uh, when that happened, no, they weren't all together. But never mind. I was thinking of the scene on the street. Yeah, mm. Brian, did you even watch this movie? <laughs> All right, but uh, but then also there were issues around the the nature of love, and uh, there's issues around duty and obligation, sort of the the core programming that sort of the the Eternals had to face down uh, and maybe run counter to. I, because I feel like the whole deceit on the part of the etern- of on the part of the celestials that's that's a part if can we start there do you mind mm-hmm. if we start there because oh, yeah i the most of the eternals except for ajak uh and then a little bit later icarus they have instructions wipe out the deviants and then hang tight so they do that. They think they have wiped them all out, but they didn't. But now they just have to wait for this new celestial to be born. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't know that. That's what they're hanging out for. 
And so they've waited and waited and waited and they kind of drift apart. Now they all got to, you know, got to come back together. Mm-hmm. If you tell a, a, a people, you, if you tell a group, you are here for a reason to protect these people from deviance. And then you don't expect any sort of connection to be formed. Right. I think there's a problem. The, the celestials have given them a mission that is based on a lie. This is the same problem I have when folks who say, well, God set something up in the creation of the world to, for whatever reason, as a test. Mm-hmm. Like God is, is, is setting one thing up to deceive you, to see if you will really believe like what's written in scripture. Mm-hmm. And I, and this is where, I, this is why I have this problem. Like, because I think the, the problem is here, the celestials did something wrong. They set up a system under a lie. Ajak is complicit in that lie um, because it, because Ajak knows. Yeah. We, we know that she knows through talking to Asherim. But, right. And so this is why I say if you set something up under a lie, you're bad. Mm-hmm. Right. If if we say God sets something up, lies about it to see if we'll really trust God, I think that's bad too. That's why I just I just have this whole notion with this. It's sort of my my issue here with this setup, mm-hmm. which means what do we make of duty and obedience in that mm-hmm. situation? Mm-hmm. And I think. You know, there's a couple questions there in re- in regarding how do you relate to God when it may seem on your perception that God is doing something wrong. Because there can be the view that if I feel that God is, is doing something wrong, then maybe... I'm not hearing God correctly, which falls into the, you know, you're going by the, the assertion that obviously God is perfect and therefore can't do wrong. And, and the celestials, I think it's interesting because they're never set up as necessarily perfect. They are just near all powerful and they can do what they want. They're basically have, you know, they are beyond the moral codes of the, the things that they, that they create. Um, but then if they, but then if, if you back up and kind of take the tack of, so am I hearing God wrong or am, or is, is God right? And who am I to question God? Does it just seem like God is wrong maybe I'm wrong. So there's that, there's the flip side of the equation too, that comes into, comes into, into play. Kind of what I had thought of was it sounds a lot like the, the times where I've heard, Oh, well, you know, he's the potter and we're the clay. What can the, you know, the clay say to the potter, you made me wrong. And you know, that's, that's not the case. And so I've heard that used to, really kind of squash people's 
wondering about what God is doing at times or when God, what it seems like something isn't right or good or fair that's happening to them or that, that something is wrong and, you know, something is wrong in the world and, or, or with me or God's plan is somehow incorrect that, well, who, who are you to question God? And I think that's where Icarus kind of falls into into play, he's you know he's very much um, okay. Well, here's you know this is this is the plan, even though it seems wrong. This is the our our job is to follow the plan. Plans change. Um, whereas Ajak initially is comfortable with the plan, but then as she develops relationships in the world and as she grows. And develops it. It's interesting, you know. They're not supposed to. The Eternals are not supposed to, to evolve, but yet they grow. <laughs> well, right, yeah. I think that's the yeah. the the deviance evolved in their thinking, mm-hmm. which I think is different than saying the Eternals formed attachments. Mm-hmm. That's that's not a that's not a that's not an evolving. That's a that's a I think that's normal, right? And I think that's that's a big part of Ajak uh, is the healer, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly loves them, uh, loves the human, loves the human beings, and comes to realize that their mission is horrifying. Cersei faces the challenge. With the love, I think it was clear that they made it that she loves the the humans more than any of them. I think mm-hmm. that was the as how I how I understood that. Yeah. Um. So, but but Icarus, and I think it has to do with his function uh, in in the comics. He's talked about as the arrow, right? Mm-hmm. He is a thing that flies right at the problem, meets it head on, you know, and punches it. That's how he's going to, when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right, right. So he was, he would never have taken this. And so I don't know that it's so much, well, the Eternals have, or the Celestials have us do this. Well, maybe, but I think for him, I don't think he even, I don't think he puts that much thought into it. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't put that much thought into it. It's like, we're going to do what we have to do because that's what we were created for. Yeah, it's, this is, that's his. Yeah, although even then, it is then only his love for Cersei mm-hmm. that that creates that brings him around in the yeah. end. It's it's not his love for humanity, mm-hmm. or and even I mean, it's not just humanity; it's the whole world. I mean, the Earth goes boom if things go as planned. So <laughs> you know the 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 creation around them also i think you know falls falls into or comes into play here um and i think yeah he he is the most detached i think of all the characters even though i think mm-hmm. some of the some of the other some of the other characters you know after the group kind of disbands they all kind of go in, in different directions uh and I was thinking afterwards about how each of those directions 
can be seen in how we respond to to, to God in, in different ways. Um, Ajak, I thought was, yeah, like you say, you know, we do what we're, we're created to do and you don't ask questions and you, you, you follow the plan wherever the plan is. Um, Kingo, I thought was interesting because he kind of, he's on the fence. He's like, I don't understand what's going on so much. Uh, I'm I'm going to do what I what I think I'm should be doing. So he's he's kind of following not so much out of conviction, but out of a sense that this is I think what we should be doing. Um, I think he does it because he trusts Icarus. Yeah, he he trusts Icarus. And, but you see, this is I I think this is why it it is all about relationships. Yeah, that Icarus has a has relationships with with folks um and so kingo is like i'm right behind it druig his relationship with everybody is like you're all wrong and i'm leaving yeah uh so uh druig heads off into the jungle with a bunch of humans and has a little commune going Mm -hmm. so because all all the eternals are wrong yeah he just basically is like you know Heck with y'all, I'm 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 out. Yep. So, um, and and Sprite leaves Sprite leaves with Icarus because Sprite is secretly in love with Icarus. Mm-hmm. And she also is kind of resentful, not only of she's in love she's in love with Icarus, but also resentful of him to certain degree, as well as all of the other eternals. Resentful of humanity, right? And resentful of, of, of humanity because she can't grow. She can't, you know, she can't be in relationships the same way as everyone else is because she looks like she's 14 years old. Yeah. And so she's, she's stuck being, being the child and she can't, enter into the same kind of life that everyone else is. Um, So yeah, she's just kind of, she's angry at the, at the hand that she's been dealt and she's only, you know, following the plan because of Icarus. It's not any kind of sense of obligation or duty to the celestials. It's just, okay, whatever he, whatever he's doing, I'm doing. And, you know, she also is, kind of marked more by detachment because she can't, because she can't attach. I, I just had this whole notion that watching this, it felt very Bartian, uh, mm-hmm. Ajax, uh, and then ultimately Cersei's move that the word of God gets laid down. Like Bart in church dogmatics in his doctrine on the word of God lays out that the word of God not not scripture, but the word of God it gets revealed to us in ways. And um, if the word of God comes and goes against what you've known the word of God to be before, you got to follow it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it felt very much like this new revelation, this love of, of humanity forces them because this is what they've been doing. And now everything kind of changes, but they have to do this thing that they understand is is right. And it, and it drives me crazy sometimes with Bart's thinking here because you're kind of like, well, how do you understand? How do you discern what's right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, that would be the word of God. Except now you're going, you're using the word of God to go against the word of God. Ah, my brain, my mind's going to explode. But it's, um, I feel like here's here's a role that you've had. Well, we're going to change that because we feel like that's wrong. Like this, how do you discern? Well, it's it is what it is. That's what we've done. Um, and so, how do we? How do we face something when we go, oh, what I, what I, the way I understood the word has now been revealed to not be the word or that the word changed. Do we have a, do we have a flexibility in our understanding of the word or is it only, or is there a, is there flexibility in our understanding of the word or do we just have to maybe understand that the way we understood it was wrong? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Does that... Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, that's a constant challenge. I think, you know, in terms of how we, uh, how we interpret scripture, because I think even as we grow and learn and develop as Christians, you are naturally going to adjust your understanding and reading of, of, of scripture, I think based on the knowledge that you gain through life through your experiences with other people through uh through many things i i i'm one that that thinks you know if your faith is somehow not growing or expanding or changing in some way over time then what are you doing are you you're you're just and 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 sometimes i think you know that there's one train of thought that says, you know, well, you need to, you're, you need to deepen your faith, you know, just need to drill the well deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper down. But you're always just getting the same, the same water, basically, I think. Whereas I think faith that, that really grows is putting wells in lots of different areas and, finding those those things that challenge us you know in life and therefore you know god's word doesn't change but we will understand it differently and maybe it's you know because maybe we were taught wrong maybe maybe some of the relationships that we form shed new light on our understanding of exactly yeah right which Mm -hmm. again the Eternals hang out with humans for 7,000 years and kind of go, yeah, those people aren't so bad. So she kind of digs that Dane guy. Yeah. And if you, if you, if you live totally up in your head, just dealing with, with, you know, scripture as, as a book and don't see living scripture in the people around you in some way, shape or form. And, don't hear those stories and develop those, those relationships, then yeah, I think you're not going to have the same type of, you know, faith life maybe as what you would have otherwise. I I know I think that, you know, my experience has been, it's been the relationships I've had with people that have ultimately um, changed my mind about, about things, you know, in, in terms of, right. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a matter of often, you know, logically arguing myself to a point. It's more often than not 
meeting those people that challenge my preconceived notions and coming to a, you know, a cross point where, okay, I either I change my, where I, I need to, you know, reevaluate the information that I've known for so long with what I've received now. Yeah. I don't think we can read scripture isolated away from humanity. Mm-hmm. And that the way we deal with it, just go, Oh, we, ex- we examine this word. That's true. That's what we got to do. No matter what, you know, this is the, this is the place where, right. If you are, if you are a lawful good paladin, you do what is right because that's the way the rules are. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, but um, that makes it more complicated right? because we've said this, uh, I've said uh, this is a, this is a classic, basically the trolley problem, right? <laughs> Humanity has to die. So the celestial could be born, uh, so that it can create hundreds of billions of worlds and peoples. Uh, it, and well, okay, isn't that worth a few billion humans? Well, no, I'm I'm part of that people. I'm part of that group. I I would rather that not happen, mm-hmm. right? But how do you how do you manage just a really irreconcilable choice? Mm-hmm. Two terrible choices. Mm-hmm. Um, scripture it becomes it becomes more complicated. It does. It becomes more complicated. We so we have to read it in light of what what's there. Mm-hmm. Humanity is created male uh, in the image of God, male and female. God creates them. Mm-hmm. So it should stand for something. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I will say though, it did it did seem that this movie shed a little bit of light on on Thanos and the choice mm-hmm. that he had, right? Mm-hmm. Gets rid of half the half the universe's uh, population. Well, the celestials can't can't you can't have new people be born or new or new uh, celestials be born uh, if you had all of all of the uh, the folks that are gone. You know, and suddenly you look back and you go. Oh, that really wasn't such a bad thing there, uh, mm-hmm. Thanos. Um, now it would have been mm-hmm. it would have been curious though if I, I don't know if that's like a, a retcon now or if that because it certainly didn't seem that that was Thanos's intent. It was. I balance. didn't say. I didn't say it was balance, right? Yes, and I'm not saying that he intended that, but it was I, it was like an unintended consequence. Unintended con- unintended consequence. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, oh, now we see why maybe fixing the world back to where it was not a great idea. We've triggered the emergence because mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other people continued to right the population of Earth still continued to grow, and then we brought back all the people who who were on. Oh, although really, if that hadn't happened, like, wouldn't we have? Wouldn't the emergence still have happened? Just maybe a little, little bit longer. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was close anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was. Uh... Yeah, I think that that's that was something I've seen discussed in other places too. It's like okay, mm-hmm. well, this, it does kind of cha- you know change how the 
how the snap impacted, you know, the, the universe in that, Hey, maybe if this, if this is what this was holding off to a certain degree, like you say, even unintentionally, um, how, how bad was, you know, did, did that have a good outcome then? I don't know. That's a, that's one of those kind of long-term, long-term questions. We had a point where they were talking. It's when Cersei and Dane are talking and Cersei has revealed that she's an eternal. And he asked the question, uh, since we were speaking of Thanos, why do you need help with, help, help mm-hmm. out with Thanos? Um, well, we're only supposed to help when deviants are. Although, again, part of me was like, yeah, but he's supposed to have a deviant gene. Like, oh, okay. We'll leave it away. But... Okay, not supposed to interfere, right? Prime directive here. And then also says, plus, we have to, if if we don't, if we, and Cersei says, in addition, if the Eternals stepped in at all the tough places, Humanity would never, would never evolve, would never adapt, mm-hmm. would never get stronger, right? So there's the, the it's an assumption that conflict, right, struggle, mm-hmm. that all drives growth, right? And I think that there's a difference though between conflict and struggle. I think there's a very significant between. I think conflict is can be is usually seen as like, and and kind of how they, they depicted it in the film was that, you know, conflict is what drives things like it not only drives wars, but it also drives medicine. It drives technology because there's, you know, people are trying to get one up on each other, all these kinds of things. So it's usually one person or one group of people up against another group person or, or group of people. And that's conflict. Whereas, um, challenge is can be more just a person or a group uh, facing a challenge in the world and choosing to try and overcome that challenge. It could be climbing a mountain. I it's, I was thinking about you know ex- exploration as a prime. Uh, I think at least for a long time. Well, and now really is space exploration is now a, a very huge, a very huge deal again. But I mean, exploration spurred a lot of the challenges in technology. It's how we developed navigation, latitude, longitude, uh, navigation by stars, navigation by the sun. And, uh, so there was a, you know, you know great, challenges that were overcome just for the sake of exploration. Now, the results of that exploration were not all good, but the, I think, you know, that led to a different con. It's one of those things of, and maybe you could say unintended consequences or, or what exactly, but um, so in some cases it was intended consequences, but I think in a broad sense, just in terms of exploration for exploration's sake, um, I mean, the first moon, the first moon mission led to tremendous advances in science and technology. 
And it was a matter of, um, that's how that led a tremendous time, time of growth and expansion that wasn't necessarily conflict based. That's true. But I mean, let, let's not say that it wasn't, it, it was not free of conflict. I mean, it was the space race was, was driven by right. the cold war. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. Um, so we focus on those things. I, I happened to catch the summer of soul, a documentary on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in 1969, right, was the year that Woodstock happened. Right. And so they, that was the summer of love, right? We, they, Woodstock is a part of our cultural, uh, sort of heritage, except there was also in Harlem, a music festival, right? Questlove does this really great, uh, documentary. The film footage of that event had been lost Mm. and then rediscovered in someone's basement or or something. Right. It was just, (laughs) and I'm going to tell you this, this music festival was, Awesome. Oh, cool. It, I mean, it had gospel music. Uh, it had, uh, you know, it all had the Motown folk. It had Stevie Wonder and Gladys Pip and the Knights and um, Sly and the Family Stone. And it was crazy, like several days. It happens at the same time as the moon landing. Mm-hmm. And they had some... Uh, Reporters there asking about like, hey, so what do you think of landing on the moon? And I'm sure at the time, the answers that uh, African-Americans were giving probably sounded really foreign, but it was like, that's a waste of money. How about Mm -hmm. help feeding the people here, Mm -hmm. right? What if our growth is not measured by um, the technological advancements we have, but is really measured by the heart and the love that we show for our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Right. Why, why, why is challenge or struggle the thing that we see as drives growth and not loving our neighbor as driving growth, a growth of a a growth of the heart or the soul. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just, that's the thing that I've really been wondering, like, and I, and I understand I'm a, look, my background's in physics, right? Mm-hmm. I, I very much am a product of that innovate, research, drive, learn, like all of that stuff. And that's, that, that drives us. You're right. We, we learned a great deal about the world in our exploration. We've learned a great deal about um, how to do stuff. Like when I would do research, people would be like, well, what are you going to, what what's the benefit of that? I'm like, I don't know. That's not my job. Mm-hmm. I find I answer these questions in physics and then other people maybe use them down the line. Like that's fine. Like I'm I'm all good with that, right? But thinking more and more, like you know, I think you were you were dancing around it, but we had those exploration and it and it very often we used it to subjugate people. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and I <sighs> What kind of advancement is that? Basically, what if we just changed the whole notion of what it means to grow and succeed? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think it, yeah, and I think in terms of moving beyond the zero sum game is something that really I think ah, that's, yeah. a yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Um but yeah, I can I can only succeed when someone else fails. And there is so it's it's just a matter of who who do you step on on the way up. Right. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing uh when churches be like, "Oh, we want to grow." So we just got to get more people in mm-hmm. the in the plan. And so it's always a numbers game and expanding and growing. And, and um, I am trying to remember in one of the things that I read that used to, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there is a, a, a thing called the Alban Institute and they had. Um, Sounds familiar. It, it was, it was, it was really good. It was, it had a lot of uh, stuff about, just sort of church dynamics and, and all. It wasn't any particular denomination, mm-hmm. but it would had, I think one, there was one writer for them, Roger Stinky, I think his name was. And he wrote this bit about like church growth. Um, and it wasn't, he talked about it in terms of, you can talk about numerical growth, right? And that's just like getting more people in the pews. Mm-hmm. But what about organic growth? Right. Uh, the the way things get deeper and richer and, and likened it to growing a garden. Like so we have a garden out back. Um, we want to grow the garden. Well, we could just, we could just slowly uh, expand the garden, more square footage. But what if instead we did stuff, kept the square footage the same, but did things like, you know, used compost and, and, and fertilizer to help increase the yield, mm-hmm. not just having more garden area. Mm-hmm. It, it changes the it changes the metric for what growth means. Mm-hmm. The best there was um, there was numeric growth, which was the the base level of growth, just numbers. Organic growth. There was organizational growth, like how the internal workings were set up to help expand and, and, and uh, work for the mission of the organization. And then ultimately incarnational growth. How do we grow in the image of Christ? And, and, and what does that mean? And what does that look like? Uh, That's the part that I feel like we can't, we can't just say, Oh, it will grow incarnationally by the, by struggle. Like that's not, Mm -hmm. that doesn't work. And so, in some ways, there's a call for us to re reevaluate. We don't have to take that. We don't have to take that claim that the Eternals had that humans need struggle and, and conflict for for growth. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I. I think that's something we always struggle with. Yeah. Well, and I and I think too. I think. And maybe I think more than you that um, struggle and conflict probably do have a lot more in play with 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 growth. But I also think that probably the greatest struggle is going to be internal. And the more you focus that internal struggle outward, really the less you're going to grow, I think, because you're not going to have really 
the internal growth that really comes from that, from, from struggling with things internally, for asking big questions and struggling with answers that you don't always understand. And, uh, trying to learn more, trying to develop better relationships with people that will, uh, further your own understanding of the world and God and yourself. Those relationships will change the way we, we understand the word of God. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I think that's, that's really what it comes out to. If it's always about change and struggle or, you know, that change linked to struggle, we're always going to be, we're always going to be Icarus mm-hmm. punching away. Yeah. And when you only see the struggle is out there, even when you, even when you win, you end up being a miserable, you're, you're dead on the inside. <laughs> you're a, your, your garden has expanded to, but you're, you look back at the, where you started and it's, it's all withered. You have plowed broadly, but shallow. Well, I think it's a good place to pause and, That's- uh, yeah, this was kind of a, speaking of plowing, this was like, this, this was quite the, the meandering path that we followed. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a big movie. It, it was a big movie. It, it raised big questions. It, and it didn't answer a lot. Yeah. Because, so they say at the end, uh, Eternals will return. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, oh, no, I think, can we talk about the credit, the, the, the end credit scenes here real quick? Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah. Those were pretty amusing. My youngest was uh, with it. Just it was just me and my two kids. Uh, mm-hmm. My two, my younger two, since my oldest is away. But we went to go see it, and at the end, my youngest was like, "I think that was Harry Styles." <laughs> so I, I was like, you who that was. "I don't know who it was either." But they were right. It was Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing Eros, um, which was amusing. Um, and he pers- apparently is signed on for five movies. Uh, I, I could see him being in like all the space movies. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, uh, if he shows up for Thor Love and Thunder, not going to be surprised. No. So, um, although my... Uh, my 15 year old went, why was the, why was the CGI on Patton Oswalt so bad? <laughs> he did not like Pip the trolls. Uh, yeah. CGI. It was, it was pretty rough. So that, and then uh, Dane Whitman, mm-hmm. the black Knight, And you know, they mentioned, is that the Ebony blade earlier in their movie? I was like, no, it's Excalibur. Oh, right. right. Um, oh no. Cause the Ebony blade is with Dane Whitman. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah. The Black Knight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it'll be it was, it'll those were fun to see. Yeah, the black the Black Knight I I know is uh, well well in in the books. So, absolutely. All right, yeah, big deep philosophical dive, and it's just led us all over the place. But mm-hmm. this will not lead us all over the place. Sam, what are you geeking out about? I hope it doesn't lead us all over the place. Oh, no, it's not going to lead us all over the place. I have picked up uh, 
old copy of X Factor by Peter David from uh, it was the series that he did was where it was X Factor as X Factor Investigations. And uh, Jamie Madrox is heading up this like private investigation agency on the edge of mutant town in New York city. And it's just lovely. It's hysterical. It's really witty. It's well-drawn and it's, I, I, it, it's just so good. You just go flip right through it and it's got a lot of surprises. It's got, a lot of wit to it and a lot of, a lot of character in it. So that's what I'm geeking out about. Nice. Very nice. I, uh, okay. I, I think you just have to know right now, if you're looking at a DC title on the shelves, it's probably a Batman title. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. There are so many. Oh, really? Oh my gosh! I think half, I, yeah, half this half of DC's offering right now is is Batman. But I will say I picked up. Uh, there's one out there, Batman the Imposter, which my 15 year old was like, "Dad, Among Us." I'm like, "Oh my god, stop, please!" <laughs> He's like, "You you know I I have to do it." I'm like, "Whatever, man." All right, dude. But um, this is uh, written by Matson Tomlin and art by. Andrea Sorrentino. I, I'm going to say, um, I, I like the story so far. It's only, it's like, it's like a three issue miniseries. It's in the black label. Um, but, uh, the art. Oh my goodness. This stuff is good. Hmm. It's very gritty, very noir, but it's the way, uh, um, Sorrentino layers some of these images. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you can you can just look at a flat page and you can feel depth hmm. in it, cool. and it's the, the even the paper feels very <laughs> rich. It just I like it a lot, so I dig it. Uh, I am really geeking out about that, um, which is funky because. I mean, I like Batman, but this one—it could it could be any story, I think, and I would just love it because of the uh, because of the art. So I'm liking the story so far, but the art—oh gosh, do I love so much? Hmm. Cool. All right, everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of Church of the Geek. Uh, if you want to connect with us, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Geek Church. Uh, Facebook Church of the Geek, and uh, if you want to drop us an email, geekchurch and the number one at gmail.com. Uh, love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you thought about Eternals uh, and uh, where things might go from there. That being said, folks, uh, we're not quite out of the tunnel yet, uh, so please uh, get vaccinated, wear a mask. Trust in God. Hold on, I'm gonna do that again. Uh, we're not out of, we're not out of the tunnel yet, folks. So uh, please uh, don't don't uh, take the pandemic too lightly. Uh, trust in God. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask, and as always, geek be with you, and also with you. <laughs>